0: Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. My name is Matt Malik. I'm the lead pastor here at Refuge, and we're so glad you could join us this morning in the service. We're glad to be back from Mesa, Arizona. Uh, The high there while we were there was 118 degrees. Uh, That's pretty hot. Average temperature, 110 plus, pretty much the entire time that we were there, but um, we moved Mackenzie out there uh, to attend uh, her second year at Hillsong Bible College, and when we arrived to move move her into the apartment, it was not moving ready, and so it was actually a disaster, it was a test, it was a trial, but the test became a testimony. Because we were dealing, in fact, uh, if you want to bring up the picture of her uh, with her roommates, there they are, a little glare in there, but Mackenzie's off to the left, and uh, those are her new roommates for this year. But we had to find a new apartment for them. So we have to involve other decisions, other parents. We had to go to liquidators. It was just a, a real process to get the place furnished and set up so that they could enjoy this year. And the place they actually got was a brand-new apartment. It's in a safer community, gated, and actually less money than the furnished one that we had originally signed a lease for. So um, know that the test you may be experiencing right now can become a testimony. And so when we got, got the girls all settled in, this was toward the end of our stay there. We thought, wow, we can just enjoy this time until I got a phone call. From Mackenzie, and she said, "Dad, I don't know what's wrong with the car. It came to abrupt stop, and I'm in a lane of traffic." And so I got an Uber, went over to where she was, and I looked under the car, and this is what I saw: the linkage had come unattached, and it happened when she was going 70 miles an hour on the interstate. It became detached. And she, she heard this ping, and the car jerked. She was able to take the first exit, and she was attempting to turn into a, a gas station when the vehicle just came to a abrupt stop. Now, we called our insurance company. We have towing, so they came to pick up the vehicle. The insurance adjuster came to look at the vehicle and was in shock that she was not in a serious accident. She said, usually these are not good accidents, especially when you're going 70 and you don't have steering capability in your car. And uh, a number of years ago, I was raised on a farm and my older brother was driving the, the pickup uh, on a dirt road going maybe 30, 35 miles an hour and the linkage came unattached. And the wheel turned in. The vehicle literally flipped end over end, totaled the vehicle. The cab of that pickup truck was flattened with the bed of the truck. But he came out with just some scrapes and bruises. He had enough sense just to lay down in the seat. But uh, So we know the seriousness of that. So you talk about God's faithfulness? God is faithful. He's faithful. Now, the insurance adjuster also said this the last time or a previous time in the past that that car was serviced, that nut was removed and never put on because of the condition. It was rusty. So she said, you drove that vehicle across the country without that nut in place. But it slipped out of the sleeve eventually, and that's what happened. But uh, we're so thankful for God's faithfulness. And, you know, this has really been our theme for this year, the faithfulness of God. And I believe that and the scripture, as we were singing that last song, came to mind of God's faithfulness. If we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How wonderful is that? Because all of us have messed up, and we still will mess up, but God is faithful. Um, we're, is Sarai here? We're, is back here. We're blessed to have Saray with us this morning all the way from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, she came for the wedding. Miranda and John were married yesterday. Miranda serves as a Refuge Student Ministries Director. Yeah, right? And great wedding. We did a first here. We actually put a tent on the back side of our property here, and the wedding was outdoors. Uh, and it, it turned out great weather. It was just a wonderful time. Um, we had to take authority over the bugs. But thanks to Ryan, my nephew, he got a fog out there and fog for a couple hours, and Uh, we drove those pests away so that we could celebrate that time together. So um, I did bring some humor this morning. Before I get into the meat of my message, I want to share some humor with you. And this is a different twist because this is humor with wisdom. Well, we could say wisdom humor, okay? So follow me on this, okay? Um, And I I think, just bear with me. Let me make this statement before I share this, just to prepare you. The next best thing to solving or facing a problem is to find some humor in it. And that's really true. Uh, sometimes when you're going through something, it's, it's very difficult, but looking back at it later, you can sometimes laugh about it, right? Now, today, as I said, I want to share some wisdom humor. You've heard the saying, if at first you don't succeed then skydiving is definitely not for you, okay? Now, don't worry about the world coming to an end today because it's already tomorrow in Australia, okay? Um, It takes less time to do things right than to explain why you did it wrong. Isn't that true? Okay, some of you are kind of, okay, think about that one. If you think you are too small to be effective, you've never been in the dark with a mosquito. Mm, Those pesty things. I hear it, but I can't see it. Where is it? Kill it. Okay. And then finally, always borrow money from a pessimist because he won't expect you to pay it back. Okay. Yeah. So with that said, today's message is you know, we've been talking, this has been summer camp. You've heard from a number of our leaders over the past few weeks. And, and I've been blessed by the messages they've shared. You've heard what burns for them, in them for the things of God, their passion. And uh, uh, I believe that it's important when you hear from leadership that, you know, to know what uh, we have as a church. And we're so thankful for the leadership. We're so thankful that, for this congregation. And we want to continue to build this body up so that you can succeed to fulfill the call of God in your own lives and households. But um, uh, Pastor Deb started, uh, actually, uh, she started this series, and she spoke on purpose. You know, what do you want to do when you grow up? Speaking of your future destiny and calling, that was so good. Sam and Mel Kayhart, uh, they spoke on no compromise, which was also powerful yet convicting message, bringing change in our life. And then Amy Rice, she talked about choosing joy. What a powerful message that was. And we thank Amy for that message. It, it brought great inspiration to so many people and such encouragement. And then Tim and Jennifer Kleiner, they had a tough message. Uh, they had spoke about the passion for serving, passion for the church. And, and that's a great message to hear because it's so important to be connected to a body of believers in a community where you can grow, where you can uh, be made accountable, where you can serve, where your gifts and talents can be celebrated. And then uh, we had Heidi Eitenbrook, uh, who spoke last week, and she spoke about our identity in Christ. And what a powerful truth that is, because there's such an identity crisis in the world today. And, And because of that, people are embracing Things that are destructive in their life because they haven't discovered their true identity as God commissioned and ordained for it to be. And so uh, today I'm going to speak about a passion for freedom and and asking you the question, what do you burn for? And so we're going to talk about what does freedom look like because Jesus has made freedom available to every human being on this planet. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Thank you, Father. Father, we honor you during this time. We thank you for the ministry of your word, Father, that has the power to transform lives. Father, we commit this time to you. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Father, give us a spirit of wisdom and knowledge in the understanding of the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now we realize that there's a battle going on for the soul of this nation right now. Yet God is moving by his spirit. And and so something that has become more real to me is is this thing called freedom. And, And we see it as a citizen of this nation in one context. But we need to see it as a believer and as a part, and as a citizen of the kingdom of God in another context. And that's the primary context that I want to address today from a kingdom vantage point. And um, I I wanna talk a little bit about passion because passion is that thing that people can get all messed up over and confused about. But passion, in my definition, as I was really thinking about this word, passion is a compelling, driving motivational influence or force upon the heart and soul of an individual now listen to this because people are always saying you need to follow your passion not soul passion is not something you follow it's something you take with you okay it's something that's within you that's that driving force your passion generates the impact the impression, the excitement, or even the agitation of mind, such as desire, hope, joy, grief, love, or even hatred. What you love and what you hate is a clue to what you're called to do. And I think I've shared this a few weeks ago, that when we understand Jesus, in Hebrews 1 it said that Jesus loved righteousness, but he hated iniquity. What you love and what you hate is a clue to what you're called to do in life. Jesus' love for righteousness compelled him to do something about unrighteousness, something about the condition of sin that held mankind in its its bondage. And so that brought him to the place of sacrificing himself to be the one to redeem humanity from the power and the bondage of sin. He hated sin. He hated evil. So he did something about it, to right the wrongs, to bring justice where injustice prevailed. So as followers of Christ, we love God and we love people. We love God and we love people, but yet we hate sin, we hate evil, we hate injustice. And we have to ask ourselves the question, are we willing to stand up for truth? Uh, and let Or let the lie prevail in our lives or in our culture. Because our passions become the driving force of our life, of our purpose and our destiny. It can also destroy us if it's not rooted or grounded in God. Okay, do you hear me? Your passion needs to be rooted and grounded in God. A passion for God's presence... A passion for God's purpose, a passion for serving his purpose, is what is significant in my life and always will be as I continue to walk with Jesus. And today I want to focus on another passion that I believe should be significant in the life of every believer, and that's a passion for true freedom, okay? True freedom is only found in a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him, through me. Jesus was speaking in that context of that verse. Now, personally, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was bound, but now I'm free. See, that should be the testimony on the lips of every believer when you encounter Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that believers can sometimes struggle with issues because they will, but that should be the testimony upon our lips. And, you know, there's no greater testimony than these statements when they're made in the context of a personal, meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, when in prayer, preparing for this message, this is what God really put upon my heart. He said, spoke to me, and and just considering even the people in this place and the struggles that you face, the sense that my people are still in bondage when I want them to be free. As a pastor, I want the people of this church to walk in freedom, to live out the freedom that Jesus purchased for them, because we have a right to it. Not that we've earned it, not that we deserve it, but we have a right to it based on the work that Jesus did for you and for me. Do you understand that? 2 Corinthians, we're going to start out there in this passage. 2 Corinthians 4.4, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation for this particular verse. You can read it in other versions, and it may render it slightly differently. But this verse tells us a lot about the condition of the world uh, in every age, including this age that we live in today. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. And let me pause right there before we continue to read. A refusal to believe in the truth becomes an instant blinder upon your ability to see. And, And there's so many people blinded because they've refused to believe. They, they haven't put their faith and trust in Christ. And, and so a non is simply someone whose mind has been blinded from the truth because at some point they rejected it. But yet it's us bringing the truth in such a way where people will receive it, embrace it, and accept it for their life. Now all of you at some point in your life did that. You saw the truth, you embraced the truth, and you received it as so in your life. And that truth brought freedom, okay? And, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but, but uh, bear me out. Let's continue reading this verse. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news, and, and that means gospel, the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is in the exact likeness of God okay? And so that revelation of who Jesus is, they become blinded to. And so one of the ways you can pray for unbelieving friends or people that don't know the Lord, you can pray that that blindness be lifted, that their eyes be open to see, that their ears be open to hear, that they would be receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's how I pray when I encounter somebody that doesn't know the Lord. Lord, open their eyes to see, and their ears to hear. Um, now, uh, turn with me if you went to John eight thirty one and 32. And this, I love this passage. I actually love the context of this scripture and where it's written. Because Jesus was preaching, and he had people in the audience that were totally receptive, totally open, totally wanted to hear what Jesus was saying, and, and hanging on every word. But there were those that were like this, okay, And they were rejecting the message because of their pride, their arrogance, their religious spirit. They were unable to receive the word Jesus was bringing that day, okay? And so Jesus states in John 8, 31 and 32, in this discourse, so Jesus said to the Jews, now think about it, okay, he's he's, he's preaching to the crowd, but he specifically is turning to the Jews and addressing them with this statement but this is also applicable to you and I as well, okay? So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. That word abide means to live, to take habitation in. It means that this is going to begin to be my life existence, Because where you live, you spend time there, you know, that you abide in that place, you dwell in that place. So Jesus is saying, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. A disciple is a disciplined follower of Christ. And then it goes on to say in verse 32, as a result of abiding in the word, Jesus said, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. See, knowing the truth Comes before being set free. When you know the truth, freedom follows. Okay? Freedom comes once we know and embrace the truth, when we begin to abide in it. And Jesus is, is speaking this way. Now, uh, in verse 33, however, they answered him. And now these were some of the Jews that maybe were not believing, okay, at that moment. And he said, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Oh, wow. I think that's kind of a prideful, arrogant statement, don't you? And then he, then he said, or they said, how is it that you say, begin to question Jesus and what he was sharing with them. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. I want to pause right there. See, if you make sin your practice, that tells me, according to Jesus' words, that you're enslaved to that sin. Okay? Does that make sense? And so, if you're enslaved to sin, that means it's a practice in your life. Now, it doesn't mean we don't sometimes struggle with sin, but if you're making that sin a practice in your life, and you've not addressed it in your life, that's an issue. Because that tells me you're still bound in that sin, and you haven't been set free. And, and so oftentimes, people try to justify their sin by saying everyone else is doing it. it. Today's culture, is this is acceptable. And so why not? But if it violates what we see in the truth of God's Word... Sin is still sin. You can never justify sin. In fact, if you attempt to justify your sin, there's no forgiveness for you. It's only when you confess your sin, acknowledge it, that you can receive an appropriate forgiveness for your life. Don't make excuses for it. Don't try to cover it up. Don't try to say, well, I intend to do this. No, repent. I've sinned. God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And in that moment of repentance and forgiveness, you appropriate God's forgiveness in your life. And 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive you from all unrighteousness, to forgive you of your sins and all unrighteousness. And I'm paraphrasing that. You can look that up for yourself. But now, going on, verse 35 Jesus makes this statement, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. In other words, if you are enslaved to sin, you, you can't. You, 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 there's an issue there, okay? But notice what verse 36 says, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. See, Jesus came to bring the proclamation of freedom in our life to emancipate us from the bondage of of sin and its slavery. And so freedom can mean different things to different people. But it's always about making a choice and not being forced to do what you don't want to do. And I, I believe that sin's dominion can be very overpowering in people's lives. And, you know, sometimes... People deal with issues and, and they just can't seem to break free no matter what. They struggle, they live under self-condemnation and they, they sometimes turn away from God because they think, God, you, how can you love me? How can you accept me when I'm still struggling with this sin? But let me tell you today, Jesus wants you free. He's made a way for you to be free so that it, it, that struggle can, you can find help in time of need. You can find the answer you need to overcome it. Because realize that none of us are a match to sin without Jesus. We can't overcome it without Jesus. We can't overpower it without Jesus. We need him. The song when we're calling on his name, his name brings freedom and deliverance when we speak it on our lips. Just calling on his name. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13 says, shall be saved. That word saved means delivered, set free. Call on his name. If you're in a struggle of temptation, call on his name and God will meet you in that place. Freedom um, Freedom is the power or right to act or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. And that's a, a general definition for freedom. Uh, it's also defined as the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. But freedom, however, in Christ is qualified. Freedom in Christ is freedom to do as he pleases, more so than do as you please. It's Freedom in Christ comes when we surrender our rights to him, okay? when we become enslaved to him, when he becomes our master, we lose our rights in Christ, but yet we gain rights because we're in him, okay? And so we, when we understand that scenario and that concept, then we can begin to break free from what is restraining us and holding us back. Now, in Christ, I have the freedom to live right, to act right, and to glorify him in my life. Uh, Freedom, uh, another definition, I think this was from the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, says it's a state of exemption from the power and control of another, exemption from slavery, servitude, or confinement, any exemption from constraint or control. Now, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. It reads, "'Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free.'" and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The yoke of bondage there is in reference also to the law or living by the law, but it also can be paralleled with the bondage of sin and its control in, in someone's life or in our lives. And so we, we realize this statement includes two words, freedom and liberty. They're not the same. There's, there's a difference. Because liberty entails the responsible use of freedom. It's using your freedom correctly under the rule of law without depriving anyone else of their freedom. See, liberty says I'm, I'm respecting your freedom uh, as you respect mine, okay? Because freedom can be misused or abused, okay? People can use their freedom to a disadvantage or to be hurtful and harmful in, in some way to another. And I don't want to get in a lot. I could go a lot of directions right now. But let me just say, freedom is internal. It's your unrestricted ability to make a decision, okay? Uh, Whether it's to turn to the right or to the left. But liberty is external. Liberty is the ability to exercise your freedom. Liberty is the state of being free, okay? Now, freedom um, is predominantly an internal construct. Viktor Frankl, the legendary Holocaust survival, uh, he survived the Holocaust, he wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, said it well, everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way and how he approaches his circumstances. See, nobody can take that away from you. And that's your response to whatever you're dealing with now. You have the freedom to respond in a way that's biblical or a way that doesn't consider the word of God in your decisions. You know, when we're dealing with anxiety and fear, the Bible says, cast all your cares upon me. And, and so we have instruction of the word to deal with whatever we face in this life. That's why you need to spend time in the Word. You need to have your daily dose of the Bible, okay? And I, I encourage you to read the Bible. Say, well, it's such a big book. Well, read it. Read a sentence at a time, okay? Just got to start somewhere, okay? Get in the Word, okay? Now, um, so in other words, to be free is to take ownership of what goes on between your ears, Okay, Your freedom to act a certain way can be taken away from you, but your attitude about your circumstances cannot. The apostle Paul, for example, was imprisoned, yet he was still a free man in Christ, yet he was behind bars. And Paul's encounter with God came at a moment he least expect- expected, and I want, I want to share that with you. And we're, we're going to have to wrap this up in a little bit, but uh, I always have more for you. I always come over prepared, um, you know, but you know how that is. I haven't been up here in a little while, so I just love and appreciate the opportunity to speak into your lives. So, Paul's encounter with God, he was driven by passion to oppose Christianity. He was the number one arch enemy of the church. Believers feared and trembled when he came into town, and he happened the journey to Damascus. Um, see, God saw his zeal and his passion, and he said, I need to recruit him and get him on my side. <laughs> so in his encounter with God, he had a visitation. God met him on the road to Damascus with a bright shining light. And, and we see his encounter spoken of in Acts chapter 26 as he's speaking to King Agrippa in relating the story of his conversion. So Acts 26, verse 16 through 18, uh, Jesus is speaking to him in, in this encounter. But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. In other words, you've had this encounter with me. You're going to talk about this, but there's going to be more encounters with me that you're going to also talk about um, as you share this message around the world, at least his known world at that time. And it goes on to say, verse 17, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. Now, that sounds like a contradiction. In other words, he was pulled out so that he could be sent in. You know, God took him on the backside of the wilderness for 14 years of being trained so that he could be released to take the gospel message to Gentile and Jew, and primarily to the Gentiles and verse 18 says, and this was his, his mission, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, I want you to notice verse 18 in particular because that's a commission, I believe, that's upon all of our lives, that we can turn people from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God because satan 's power it 's primarily deception at this point, but it 's still very real, and we see the evidence of it in the world today but yet we 're commissioned to turn people from the power of Satan to God, to the power of God now there 's a constant battle that we all face, the war of the flesh against the soul and, and, and although in this hour. Many are winning the battle. There are those that are still struggling. There are those that are still losing the battle against the flesh. And some people are just hanging in there but uh, with, without a definitive victory. And I believe God wants to give victory. And, and I, I want to share three points that are going to kind of wrap up this message. But 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven says this. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God because he gives victory. We don't have to work for it. We don't earn it. We don't even deserve it. But he gives us the victory. And for that, we're thankful for But you have to be able to receive that victory. And and so the three points I have when in dealing with this message and finding that freedom is realizing it's time to fight. It's time to fight. But the fight we fight is, is not what you think it, it is, necessarily, unless you know... Uh, 1 Timothy 6.12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So it's, it's a fight of faith. It's, it's a believing. It's your believing ability that is your greatest weapon to use in this battle, to believe the word that what God said is true, the fight of faith. Faith um, is the ability to live in this limited life in an unlimited way. All things are possible to those who believe, Jesus said. So, um, number two, okay, it's time to fight. You got that? You ready to fight? Not your neighbor, not, not your cousin, uh, but we're going to fight the good fight of faith, okay? Number two, it's time to submit and resist. Submit and resist, that's almost contradictory. But James 4, 7, and 8 says, Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The problem is, so many people are submitting to the devil and resisting God. they got the thing turned around. And if you're not submitted to his word, you are not submitted to God. Because to be submitted to God is is equal to being submitted to his word and obeying it. So, submit yourself, therefore, to God. Surrender to him. And then you are positioned to resist the devil. You cannot resist the devil unless you submit it to God. So, submission to God gives you a position of strength against the enemy, against the temptation, against the forces and the power of the enemy against you. And then, number three, it is time to surrender, stand firm, and hold your position. That might also seem like a contradiction. It's time to surrender, stand firm, and hold your position. See, God will fight our battles, but not unless we surrender to him. We don't surrender to temptation, sin or Satan. We surrender to Jesus Christ. And um, I I, I want to share with you Second Corinthians 10 through, through 5. And uh, Amber shared this during the worship service. And uh, we, we want to close with this passage and maybe one more, okay? Okay. Um, the worship team can actually come up at this time. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, this is important to understand because it addresses strongholds. A stronghold, and I'm going to have Mike come over here first. Hold out your hand. A stronghold is anything that has a strong. Try to get away from me. Try to pull away. Try to pull away. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Okay. he's a strong guy, okay. But a stronghold is anything that has a stronghold on you, okay? And God wants us to be free from those strongholds. And so 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're living in this fleshly body, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. What stronghold are you dealing with right now? What stronghold seems to continue to bring you into the place of condemnation, a place of defeat, a place of fear, and it seems you just can't shake it or break it? Now, what's interesting about this passage, the strongholds are what primarily is going on in your thinking. And because your mind hasn't been fully renewed to the Word of God, those strongholds are be dictating to you the outcome of your future when it shouldn't. In verse 5 says, we destroy arguments. One version says, reasonings. That's all what happens up in our brain. And every lofty opinion, notice, raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. See, we fight a warfare with divinely powerful weapons that are able to take the thoughts that are not of God, cast them down, and embrace the thoughts of God. Those thoughts that are not of God need to be brought into subjection to Jesus Christ, where they will then lose their power and ability over you. See, the problem in our culture today, this is an information age, but it's also a misinformation age. And so many people have bought into misinformation, and it's holding them in bondage, and there's a stronghold in their life. And Jesus wants them to be free. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18 gives us an answer. Look at this verse, I'm gonna put it on the slide here. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. The context of this is when one turns to the Lord. When you turn to the Lord is when you will discover freedom. And then following that, verse 18, He says, we all, with unveiled face, see, the veil is what blinds someone from seeing the truth. God wants to lift that veil so that you can see clearly and understand completely. And we, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So God, by His Spirit, wants to transform our lives. Do you see this? For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. He wants to do something so significant in your life today. I want you to take a moment and bow your heads. And I'm going to speak to you. If you're here today, if you've never made a personal commitment of your life to Jesus Christ... I'm going to give you an opportunity to accept him as your Lord and Savior. And then there may be others that you've been a believer, you've walked with God, maybe even for years, but you're still struggling with strongholds in your life. Well, God wants to break those strongholds, not next week, not next month, but today, right here, right now. You know, the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and rises again. I'm not saying... That you're going to go out there and never mess up again. But when you do, you get up again. Because God is for you, not against you. For those of you that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know that my life is not ready or not right with God. If I were to die, I don't know that I'd be ready to meet him. The condition of my heart, I know, needs to be impacted by the Savior. And I'm willing to surrender my life to Jesus today. If that's you, lift your hand. Say, Pastor, I'm willing to give my heart to Jesus, to give my life to him. Okay, thank you. See that hand. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you and I put my trust in you. I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. He is the one who purchased my freedom. Lord Jesus, I put my faith and trust in you. I invite you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I believe you died for me and I believe you rose again to give me life. Jesus, I receive you now. Make my life what you want it to be. Forgive me of my sins. I repent and I turn my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the rest of us, let's all stand together. And I want to pray this morning for those dealing with strongholds we're going to have the prayer team up in just a little bit but you need to identify the issue that's plagued you, the sin that's held you in captivity, in bondage and understand that Jesus already paid the price to make a way so that you could be free doesn't matter what it is just identify that now in your heart and mind Just lift your hands before Him. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we come before you in the name of Jesus, I thank you that strongholds are broken by the power of your name and your word. Father, I present this body of believers to you and those listening online. That they had experienced the freedom that you brought to humanity. Through your sacrifice on the cross, Jesus, you declared, "He who the Son sets free is free indeed." And I declare freedom over this people. In the name of Jesus, we break every stronghold. We take authority over strongholds of bondage. And Father, we thank you for the breaking of the yokes, for the breaking of the addictions, of the breaking, Father, of the strongholds that have planked their lives. In Jesus' name. Now repeat after me. Thank you, Father, for setting me free. Free from sin. Free from shame. Free from poverty. Free from pain. In Jesus' name. Thank you for breaking every addiction. Thank you for breaking every stronghold in my life. I fight the good fight of faith. I submit to you. I resist the devil. And I determine to surrender. And to take my stand and my position in you. In Jesus' name. Let's worship the Lord remain standing. Thank you so much for being so attentive to the word. God bless you. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.